Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. To the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined tonight by Eric Seeds. What's up, Eric? What's up, guys? How's it going? It's going pretty well. And also, Rachel Beals. How are you doing, Rachel? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing well. Yeah, I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever because I was like two weeks ago, I had like a fruit fly issue in my kitchen, and then we've had guests on, and Elaine's been helping me with that. So I feel like I haven't talked to you guys in forever. You should probably take out your trash, Will. Um, I was going to say I need to know more about this fruit fly issue. Yeah. So I had like one or two floating around me. Like I, I like I'm at my I'm, I'm in my office right now, basically for people that won't see this later. But I'm in my everyday office, basically in my apartment, and I would see like a gnat flying by me, and I'm like, "What is this?" I didn't think much of it, and then by the trash can, there was like like a, a little bit of a swarm. I was like, "Oh crap!" So I thought I had it taken care of, and then a few weeks later, maybe a week later, same thing. Uh, I don't know what was the cause, but I ended up making some adjustments, but. Yeah, I am trying to be. I mean, I am trying to make sure I have like no food scraps in the trash can whatsoever now, just in case. I don't know. You know how you put out vinegar and they like crawl in there and drown, like. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, I, I had the fruit fly. I had the cup. I had like the cup. Like I had like a potato salad dish that was empty, and I put it. I put the vinegar and crap in there, and they were collecting. But I, I still see like occasionally like one, but that's it. I don't have an infestation anymore. It's pretty much good. But that's like a normal amount. But yeah, that was annoying two weeks ago. Just kind of going into the hockey aspect of things. So a few things. The NHL CBA was ratified for the next six years, which will include Olympic action. It also solidifies this summer as far as the games that should be happening as long as everything goes according to plan over the next few weeks and months. Uh, so, Steve, I'll start with you. I think you had some thoughts just in general with training camp, which is also underway finally, and the COVID bubble in Toronto and Edmonton where the games would be playing. So what are your thoughts on everything? Yeah, we're really doing this, aren't we? I think um, so. We're going for it. Um, or we're going or we're, or we're gonna, to we're gonna try at least, you know. Every other country that's brought sports back has at least had it under control somewhat. And meanwhile, the U.S. is like, we'll do it live. You know, we're, we're recording this podcast on the heels of several Montreal players testing positive. I guess a couple of them... Um, might have been false positives. Uh, 
the Pittsburgh Penguins today was announced are holding nine players out because they were secondhand exposed to this uh, this disease. Like, you know, things might be okay given the extensive return to play protocol and like the bubble and how they're going to make it secure. Um, Elaine and I wrote an article last week uh, about questions we still had that we wanted to see addressed or would hope to see addressed. But I guess at this point, it's can they get to the bubble? You know what I mean? Like the the Montreal's got an issue, and this is without Max Domi even showing up yet, and he's he's immunocompromised. They've given him seven to ten days to even decide if he wants to show up yet. We've had several players opt out, guys with families with uh, chronic illness or immunocompromised immunocompromisation issues, guys who just don't want to come back and be take part in this. The league has announced that there's. 30 guys thus far who've tested positive as of this afternoon, not including positive tests outside of league testing before phase three started. What I've what I've kind of come to realize about this, and I, I listened to Puck Soup last week, uh, the Greg Wyshynski, McIndoo, Ryan Lambert podcast, and they were kind of talking about is owners and GMs and players have to realize going into this that guys are going to test positive. Are we okay with that? To what number of guys testing positive are we okay with? And when do we, because both sides have an option to call a stop to this, where is that limit? And there isn't a clearly defined limit. It's when the integrity of play is compromised. And we don't know what that means. We don't know what that looks like. We don't know if, you know, like like I mentioned, the Penguins had nine guys who were being held out today. You know, it turned out to be, not that this is just certain guys, but it's not like it's Sidney Crosby and Yevgeny Malkin. It's basically Patrick Hornquist and the AHL Black Aces. What if it, but what if it was like Crosby, Malkin, Murray, Gensel, Tristan Yari, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, like, stars, would yeah. the Penguins, would, yeah, would the Penguins just say we're not doing this or we're not going to like, where is the line? What happens when a team has so many breakouts? Like they're like, for example, in the MLS, MLS's back tournament, FC Dallas and Nashville SC have had to pull out because they've had so many positive tests between players and staff. One game got wiped out yesterday, yeah. DC Toronto got wiped out because uh, both players had, or both teams had positive tests overnight. Like it, it, it is inevitable in this, I think, that there is going to be a breakout of some kind, whether it's one team or many teams. And what is the NHL's response? And it's basically a shrug we'll find out when we get there. For, for all of the detail they put into the re- return to play plan, I just don't think a shrug is good enough. Like, I, I, I've, I've said this for a while that they're going to start it. I have no confidence they finish it. Well, I can agree with that last sentiment. I have no confidence. And that's like just with anything right now. So I read a really awesome article over the weekend. It was published on medium.com and it was about how like the America right now, obviously it is known that we look so foolish to the rest of the world. And with, uh, you know, the NHL being such an international sport, I think that's worth saying, like bringing up a personal angle for this. My best friend tested positive and has been sick with the coronavirus for two weeks. So I've been buying her groceries and taking them over and whatever. And I've gotten tested once the last two weeks. Just I'm not, haven't been exposed to her um, after the initial, when we found out she was positive and I got tested then and I tested negative, but like it is the biggest pain in the ass to get a COVID test in the state of Ohio. I don't care what any website tells you. I don't care what any health department tells you. So it's frustrating that like, you know, you have these entities like the NHL that are like, 
pushing forward with, you know, pretending like, not that they're pretending everything's wrong. I know that the precautions are there, but like, it's just like the, the, the level of like willful ignorance. And then also the lack of, of boundaries, almost Eric, like you said, like, when do we stop? When is X amount of players too many players? When are we going to risk infecting immunocompromised players and their families? When are we going to risk getting someone sick who doesn't know that they have a genetic disorder? You know what I mean? Like, there are way too many uh, loose variables for me to feel comfortable. And it doesn't, how uncomfortable I feel about it, um, unfortunately, outweighs like how excited I am to have the season back. Um, and if in the shocking case that they would finish this little Stanley Cup situation, it's like, it's a, it's going to be a half-assed Stanley Cup anyways. No one's going to honor the team the way that they honor teams during other, you know, tournaments when there's not a pandemic or during a pandemic. Like, you know, I don't know. It's like, at what cost? And I, at right, right now, I, Eric, I tend to agree with you. Um, knowing people who are sick with it and knowing and living with people who are, you know, at risk, at high risk, uh, forgetting it. I was going to say, it's just like irritating that, the, and, and people are acting like because these athletes are in excellent shape for the most part, you know, they're going to be okay if they test positive or if they like come down with an illness and aren't asymptomatic. And it's like, there's a lot of things that can go wrong between asymptomatic and death. And people are just kind of ignoring that entire 98% of everything else that can happen. It's, it's incredible. Like, like we don't know what could happen if like, like I keep thinking about Nick Felino's daughter, like for example, I, and I keep thinking and, and for that into that, I think about Cam Atkinson with, uh, with a toddler mm-hmm. and a newborn. Yep. yep. How do you make that decision? How many is too many? So it reminds me in baseball, like in 2000, I don't know what the year was exactly, but in the last decade, Buster Posey, a uh, star catcher for the giants broke his leg on a slide in the home plate. And they change that collision rule at the, at the plate. And if it's just a backup catcher, they're not changing that rule at all. It's because it was a star. And everybody, I mean, you would have to assume they wouldn't change that rule. I don't think they would have, at least at that time. But because that, that exact moment is what prompted change. So if you had Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin or any big-time player or multiple players, they would definitely probably... I don't know if they would be changing anything up, but it would definitely have more of an impact, I feel like, as far as where we are right now going forward. And I definitely have no problem in any sport with any player that decides not to play because I don't want to be outside with people anyway. And, uh, I mean, I, I've been outside. I've been hanging, you know, like, I, I have hung out with a few people in the last few weeks, not very often. And then when I do, we're pretty cautious, but that's just it. I see, uh, I see crowds like from like games a year ago and I'm just like, man, I, I don't even want to be in a crowd or like who would, but right. yeah, I mean, it's, I have issues going to the grocery store yeah. and I go at like 645. I, I, I just do the Kroger pickup at the curb. I don't even go inside the store right now. I ended up, I deleted my Snapchat because I was getting such like secondhand anxiety about all of my friends, like mm. acquaintances out on the weekends partying, you know, whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is like stressing me out. And it's not even me. And that's how I feel too. I think about, you know, going back to my job, like as a photographer at those games, I'm like, I am like 
in the thick of, of crowds. Like, I don't know, I'm not going to feel comfortable doing that again until there's a vaccine, until this pandemic is like under control. To like bring it back to the NHL, like it's frustrating. And, and I get why they went to Canada. That was 1000% the right choice. If you're going to try this, like Man- Manitoba didn't reported no positive tests today in the last like couple days. Like, so I, I guess like going to Canada is the right call. If you're going to try this, it's the best way to try and get this done. Um, I really hope the players take it seriously. If they're going to try this, not only for their sake, but for their family's sake, for their children's sake, for girlfriends, whoever sake, I really hope they take this seriously and try. Um, it remains to be seen if it succeeds. I remain confident that it won't, but we'll see what happens. I would love to be proven wrong. Like, please prove me wrong. That would make, like, nothing would make me happier if this went off without a hitch, but it already hasn't. Like, it's already, oh God, we got our blinders on to the, the nobodies on the teams that are getting, you know, that are getting sick. And it's like, yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of tweets today that was like, it's just, you know, it's, it's only Patrick Hornquist and some guys from the, uh, AHL Penguins teams like guys these are like they're not just it's not just AHL guys it's like these guys are people with friends and families and like come on you know what the hell are we doing here exactly it's like the reality is we know unfortunately people are going to come down with it and it's like with sports it's like okay we have a bubble but are you really equipped like, we don't even know. Like, someone brought up a great point today on the radio of a show I was listening to. Um, you know, it's Arotas Chapman. I mean, I know people have their thoughts on Chapman. But the main thing is he came down with coronavirus and someone said, you know, what is his recovery going to be like? Yeah, sure, he's an athlete. Like you said, Rachel, athletes might be in great condition. But uh, how do we know what's going to impact their lung capacity going forward or just their overall health and well-being going forward? Because, like, they might be 30 years old and in great physical health, but we really don't know what kind of long-term impact, if, if there is one, it could have on anybody. Uh, and that's including the people, of course, that have unknown or underlying health risks as it is. Right. The same thing, like the same thing happened to Russell Westbrook from the uh, Houston Rockets today. Like he tested positive and he's one of the most athletic players to ever play in the NBA. What if it like, what's going to happen to him? We don't, we don't know. No one knows. My dear cousin is, uh, she works as an occupational therapist at a hospital in downtown Chicago. And her whole floor right now is people who survived the coronavirus but needed amputations but needed to like have had such serious physical and lifelong lasting um injuries and changes to their bodies like this virus is so unknown and it's um it manifests so differently in everybody that's what she keeps telling us she's like i think everyone's just focusing on who survives it and who dies from it but there's this whole spectrum in the middle of how are people going to be forever affected by it, whether that's in lung capacity for athletes or if it's, you know, it affects your circulation. If, and if you get a blood clot and you need an amputation, then, you know, there goes hockey and the rest of your life as you know it. So that's, that's what I think is lost on when these considerations are being made. It's like, you can't just assume this is going to be a mild cold for somebody. Um, you can't just assume that they're going to recover back to 100% health. So I wish I wish that felt like it was yeah. being taken more into consideration as opposed to like, oh, well, like these athletes probably won't die from it. Like, 
Okay, great. Right, like, 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 I don't, I don't like how in the return to play, it's just like we'll quarantine them for fourteen days and then they'll come back. It's that is not a guarantee. That is not a guarantee. I don't like assuming that they'll be fine. I don't like assuming they'll be asymptomatic. And I wish they were paying more attention. Mm-hmm. To that. Yep. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, to kind of shift to the on the ice aspect of the game. So we each had articles on the training camp for the Blue Jackets. Rachel, I inadvertently told you it was uh, goalies, but you did defense. Seats had the goalies. I touched on the forwards a little bit. So regardless of everything, the reality of what we just talked about happening, it's actually it was still nice to actually for a second pretend like hockey is actually back and maybe mm-hmm. actually coming back. Um, so just from the on ice aspect, I wanted to get your thoughts. So first, first off the jackets and the Leafs schedule did come out for the entire, basically this tournament. So Columbus would be playing in Toronto. Of course, that's the site of where a lot of these games will be playing as well as Edmonton, but the jackets will be playing in Toronto, August 2nd, 4th, 6th, and then games four and five, if necessary, would be August 7th and 9th, all in Toronto. Of course, the jackets are considered the home team, I guess, for, uh, that 8-6, uh, at least the August 6th matchup on. But I guess when you think about it, no fans in the ice, I guess there is really no true home field or home ice. But, Seeds, what were your thoughts with training camp, players? Dave Metzold had pictures of our, our uh, Instagram of uh, players on the ice. It looked like an awesome – it just looked awesome just to have that again, even if we don't know what's really going to happen. My initial thought is, given how they did the schedule for, like, you know, you've got games at noon, 4, and 8, local time. So you've got a game at noon in Toronto, a game at four in Toronto, and a game at eight in Toronto. Then you've got a game at noon in Edmonton, a game at four in Edmonton, and a game at eight in Edmonton. Why in the hell is this not the NHL's like playoff schedule to open like the first week, the first round every season? Like how in the world is this? Like like why are you not doing like a March Madness style day every year? TV ratings. <laughs> like, the, like the NHL act, they, like, like because of this pandemic, because of all of this nonsense, the NHL accidentally stumbled ass backwards into an awesome, awesome thing. Like, 
Like I get to silver linings. That's what we call them. Right. Like, like the NHL accidentally themselves into 14 straight hours of hockey. Like that's like, like I, I, I am on record as this is the dumbest idea ever that they're coming back. But if you think I'm not going to have like NBC Sports on all day and just have hockey going all day long, like you're out of your mind. Of course, I'm like, it sucks that they're it's happening, and I'm extremely concerned about everyone's safety. But like, I'm going to watch it because I'm a degenerate. Like, it'll be awesome when it lasts, and yeah, like I mean, it'll be great if we're going to talk silver linings here. It'll be awesome for viewership. It'll be awesome for. The fact that everyone should be staying home anyways, anyone who's listening to this, please don't go and negate everything we're talking about by going and watching these games at a sports bar. Like, please stay home and watch these. Right, right. Stay home, buy yourself a 12-pack, and watch hockey from noon to midnight and just... In, 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 you yeah. know, maybe oh, yeah. get takeout from a local place and leave them a generous tip because your servers deserve it. But, like, like this is, like, it's going to be incredible for TV viewership. Like, this is everything I've ever wanted. Like, all, all I want is hockey all day long. This is incredible content. I like the March Madness. I, I love March Madness anyway. And that the first, uh, Same. you know, two days are awesome with all the games. I, the TV ratings, the NHL would want to have, you know, maximize what they can. Now, I will be interested to see what this tournament, what their ratings are. Because, I mean, they might be going up against baseball and the NBA. But right now, everybody wants any kind of sport they can get as long as, you know, it can happen. Mm-hmm. So it will be interesting to see. I doubt it would change going forward. I stayed up till two in the morning Saturday night watching an MLS game because it was on and it was Columbus. Like, guys, like, I'm, I'm here for this. I remain extremely concerned for everyone's safety. I, you're, you guys are going to learn a little bit, bit of backstory about me. I came to SB Nation via a college football website called Every Day Should Be Saturday. It's how I found basically everything else, including the canon. I feel a little... Uh, marginally less bad for the professional athletes than I do for the collegiate athletes because at least the professionals voted on returning and have agreed to return and are being compensated for it. I remain convinced college football should not come back in any capacity because you're not paying these guys. That's where I feel marginally okay or marginally better about watching professional sports because at least they're being compensated and understand and can opt out of taking these risks. Yeah, I was going to say, can opt out and were able to voice how they felt about it from the jump. Not like, oh, hey, show up at camp this day. And like, if not, there goes your scholarship or whatever. Right, like, exactly. They're getting, it's a job. It's not a, a obligation. Yep. That's the only right way to do it. I mean, the, you know, like everyone, everyone needs their own agency right now as far as what's best for their health and the health of their family and and that needs to as long as that's being honored then yeah you're right like it's cool that they were able to return and like you know like let's just see how long it lasts like let's see how it goes and then right like i'm not gonna lie like i was i was really concerned after seeing that the all those positive tests in mls and fc dallas dropped out and nashville dropped out but you know what? Saturday night at eleven thirty, I had a blast watching the crew obliterate FC Cincinnati. Like for for two hours, I had a blast watching Lucas. Sel- what was the score? Nothing. Hell is real, Cincinnati, okay. and it is Columbus, Ohio. Had so much fun, and like, but like you said, like you said, Rachel, it's because they had the agency, they had the ability to discuss it, they had the ability to opt out. They are. And the players who are there are being compensated for their role. I mean, if, if you're going to do it, that's the best way to do it. 
talking about training camp, what are your, do you guys have any thoughts so far on anything we've heard? I that there's been a lot, but any potential lines, players, uh, what do you guys, what do you guys think about going into this matchup with Toronto? You got, you know, they have like two, pretty much two number one scoring lines. And then you're, you're wondering like Columbus to me, it's like everybody's coming in off the same situation, all this time off who has a real, uh, advantage. If anybody does, I mean, sure. You figure your best players are going to play well, but hopefully Elvis plays, you know, can continue his momentum. I wonder what kind of leash either goalie is on. If Corpusalo gets in there, I mean, who knows? It's such a wild card. I here, let me tell you how, how I'm feeling right now. I am so excited to see, I'm going to coin this right now. I came, I, unless you're going to both, one of you is going to tell me you've already heard this many times. Gavin Sav. Gavrikov and Savard. I am really excited. I think they're going to come into their own. They're just going to... What did Tort say? He was like, um, that Vladislav's game is ugly as sin. Like, I love that quote. Like, that's amazing. Um, I wrote about the defensive lines, despite Will messaging me at midnight the night before. He's like, Rach, do you have your, your goalie article ready? I'm like, what are you talking about? And I checked the calendar the next morning, and it's like, Rachel, defense training camp I'm like everything is just wrong but um anyways classic I thought I was helping and I wasn't I told you goalies. you were you were helping me by telling me that I had an article so I will I will give you credit where credit is due but then he's like oh yeah you can talk about can I include this <laughs> yeah definitely no this is my shout out to you for keeping okay. me on on my on the ball <laughs> which I'm not always Oh, I was hoping you. I was hoping you keep the whole fruit fly chain discussion <laughs> at the beginning. So, but uh, yeah, so Vladislav Gavrikov and David Savard. I'm excited to see what comes of them. I feel like yeah, Seth and Z. Like we know, like you know. But um, I, I hope that Zach continues to be maintain his spot as top scoring defenseman, and uh, that Seth has made a full recovery during all this. Based on everything he said, like it sounds like he's feeling great. So like I'm just gonna count that as a given and then like hope to see some of these other guys step up and just be awesome and then i have just this like like a gut feeling like energy from the universe that like oliver bjorkstrand's gonna be like our top producer during this this uh playoff time so uh i think he's gonna be back chomping at the bit like he had a pretty rough injury wise um you know when he was playing he was awesome but uh i really am excited about like you said, Eric, there's so much to be worried about, but if you all that aside, if you're able to just not pay attention to that and like think about like how this is so awesome that the team is so primed with all the time that they've had to recover from their injuries, like that was a that was a gift from the universe that not many other teams had cuz not many other teams were as in bad shape uh physically injury-wise when the season was cut short. So, we'll see. Right. Okay, so my thoughts on training camp are thus uh, I'm most looking forward to seeing what Liam Foodie does on his return. He lit it up in Columbus for his first two games, scored his first NHL goal, and that's why he made the uh, return to play group. I would like to address the controversy controversy uh, surrounding Foodie making the playing group over Nathan Gerby. You guys realize Nathan Gerby is not as talented or as good as Liam Foodie, right? So they're going to play the more talented player. And especially against a high-flying offense like Toronto, you need all the goal scoring you can get. Columbus was not a good goal-scoring team this season. They won a, bu- they won a bunch of games because Elvis and Corpusalo went ballistic and were great. Like, that's just how it worked. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. And it also, just in the whole big scheme of things, like, 
Gerby's at home with young ch- now he can be home with his children and Liam's like what is he 12 just kidding he's like 18 or 19 but like right he's 19 yeah the, st- the stakes aren't the same so it's cool from uh not only tactically what the team needs to perform well um but then also just like for a health and risk factor it's like it's a win-win so right like su- suddenly this team has this high-flying winger slash center that they need and they have a guy who was fine in a small stretch and then had like three points over his last 20 games kudos to nathan gerby for making the most of it and you know impressing and try and and making things happen but like objectively liam foodie is the better player it just is what it is i mean foodie has definitely got the he's definitely got all the potential in the world i just you know we'll just see because i mean right now i mean you would think the best players the best players are going to play well and all that but uh foodie's technically unproven at least in this level at the playoff level and you know like you said gerby made the most of his time but we'll just see who can kind of we'll see whose game translates fast and that's with everybody regardless right and my but my, my and my thinking with it is is We have so much defense on this team, especially now that we're mostly healthy outside of Josh Anderson. You know, you got Jones is back. You got Zach Wierenski. You got Savard and Gavrikov, like Rachel mentioned. You've got uh, Ryan Murray's actually healthy for once in his career. Um, You got guys like Winberg, Riley Nash, Boone Jenner, Nick Foligno. Uh, You've got all this defensive ability in the team. You've got to, and then you add Liam Foodie, who is a very fast guy with pretty good hands, who might be able to break a game out of nothing and score a goal. And scoring goals against the Toronto against Toronto, who has a terrible defense. Reminder: they are playing Cody Cece, who is garbage on their first pairing. The Jackets, like you know, Foodie makes Foodie has more of the game-breaking ability than Nathan Gerby has, and I think that's why he is in the lineup and Gerby isn't. It's just nothing against Nathan Gerby. He's a, I believe he's our Masterton nominee this year. Liam Foodie has that game-breaking ability that very few players have. I remember, I remember a couple years ago, I watched the uh, the rookie camp at the Ice House, and Liam Foodie was far and away the best guy. He's the fastest player I've ever seen in a Blue Jackets uniform. And it was, you know, he no, he brings an element no one else on this team currently really has, and that's that's invaluable in a short series where, you know, you win, you win, th- you know, you win two games and steal one with goaltending, and hey, you're into the ra- round of sixteen. Yeah, I am wondering, kind of, I mean, the lineups you can go based on the normal what we saw based on who or who played hot or who seemed to play well in short stretches but i mean it's just going to be i don't i don't really know how they're going to come together cuz this is such a weird situation as far i mean it's it feels like preseason should be starting soon instead we're talking about the playoffs well we'll definitely see how everything plays out over the next you know days and weeks i'm definitely looking forward just basically just seeing how everything plays out in general but that's pretty much going to do it for us this week. We do have some final thoughts. Rachel, I'll let you lead off with this. Sure. Thank you. So I just am taking everything. I'm taking hockey. I'm taking work. I'm taking life just one day at a time. I think for anyone right now to pretend that they have any ability to look into a crystal ball and know what is going to be going on even a week from now. I mean, everything changes so fast. So um, I'm really excited you know, despite some some very glaring issues, uh, I think with this return to play, uh, I'm excited that it's happening. I'm um, excited to see hockey back. 
Uh, I think that there is so much uh, comfort and familiarity to be found in sports right now. And it's cool that these players, you know, like we talked about earlier, are professionals who are opting into this and are being compensated fairly for this. And if that's the case, then like, awesome, then they should be able to return to play. That being said, I'm sure there will be some hitches, uh, and I'm just going to try and uh, go with the flow and take them as they come. So I I encourage everyone else to do that as well. But I'm excited for it, and I'm really, really ready to see hockey start back up again because I have been missing. It's been hard to put a finger on. all, all With everything going on, it's like, God, like what is like really not right right now? And I'm like, oh, it's the giant like wound that I have from the season just leaving off in March with no conclusion, and like I need a resolution to that. I don't like a, I don't like a hanging ending like in a book in a movie. Like I don't like making up my own ending. I need someone to lay it out for me. So that's hopefully the purpose that this will serve. Go ahead, seeds. First of all, I want to enthusiastically second that hanging hanging ending feeling that Rachel mentioned because I am a Dayton Flyers fan and uh, the best team in UD history will never get a chance to win the NCAA tournament and that breaks my absolute heart. It will kill me for literally ever. But my final thought is, uh, so guys, I finally saw Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. How good! I had, I had never listened to the music before it. I had never... The only thing I'd ever seen is the one-minute trailer Disney Plus put out, and I was like, oh, this sounds really good. Now, I'd, re- I'd read the book by Cherno, uh, because I'm a history dork. It's just my life. Guys, the musical was really fun. Like, I had a blast listening to that. I had a blast watching it. I thought... Uh, here, here, here's, here's, here are my three so takeaways. So good. Lin-Manuel is a genius for writing that and performing as Hamilton. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. is the best part of that for being Burr. Uh, he deserved the Tony. David Diggs stole the show as Thomas Jefferson because oh my god, every David Diggs was great. Also, uh, Jonathan Fromm as King George was great. Um, I had so, I had so much fun watching Hamilton. It was great. Uh, I guess my final thought. So I've been having a lot of fun with my own podcasting, and I've been trying to interview as many people as I can, and so and just kind of by random randomly. So. Yesterday I talked. Congrats on your most recent guest. Yeah, that was cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that was so cool. Sorry, I just <laughs> hijacked what you were going to share, but like, I was going to message you and be like, "Wow, wait, that's awesome that you had her on." Yeah, so yeah, it was cool. I uh, so Martha Kelly. So I watched. I got in the baskets randomly last year, and she became like my favorite character, like from the first episode on, because of her like deadpan like comedy, just her like personality in that show. I don't know, just the way she is is awesome, but. Uh, so it was like last fall. I, I just, you know, I don't know if she had a tweet or my tweet. I think I added her. I said something like, Baskets is great. You're awesome. I don't know. And she acknowledged that. So, if, you know, just from like casual, like a few interactions randomly, like a couple months ago, I was like, Hey, would you want to like, I interview you for my pod or whatever. And she was like, yeah. So I messaged her and we kind of, it kind of took off, you know, everything was just going crazy in the world anyway. And I was just busy anyway. So I didn't really pursue it too, too much, but she came back randomly. I was like, sorry, I didn't mean to ghost you on this. Let's do this. And uh, anyway, I did it yesterday, and I put up a little, a little uh, teaser on social media, and I'm going to try to edit it and get that up, like, tomorrow, hopefully, or Tuesday in this case, Tuesday, Wednesday. But, uh, yeah, it was really awesome, and I was kind of nervous. Usually I'm not nervous talking with people like that, but it was, like, the first non-athlete I've had or non-sports uh, type of person I've had, and uh, I was kind of nervous, but it was really cool. So it was really fun to uh, – to talk with her so 
Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome that she circled back with you. Yeah, That's yeah. Like a cool uh, testament to her character. It really is. So, yeah. Awesome. And I was going to follow uh, follow up eventually, but I just knew she's busy. I'm. I was busy too. I was. In fact, it was like within the last week or two. I was real, I was randomly thinking about it, and then that night I got a message, and I was like, "Oh, cool, yeah, let's do this, whenever." Like, I no rush. You just had to manifest it. You <laughs> yeah. just had to ask for it from the universe. <laughs> That's exactly. That's all you had to That's do. That's pretty much it. But uh, yeah, it was really cool uh, to talk with her. So I'm hoping. I'm always just trying to get random people like that, just random celebs or whoever. So always fun. Nice. That's awesome. And that kind of leads into my thought cool. real fast for next week, as we'll have a special guest on the canon as well. Which is, you know, it's been awesome during this time. I mean, unfortunately, during this pandemic, but we've had a lot of awesome guests come on recently with uh, just, you know, it's been really cool talking with different people. So definitely stay tuned for next week when we have another special guest and a very familiar face for those who watch the team regularly. But anyway, that is going to do it for us this week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430 and you should definitely go check it out. Check her out at AngelaPearlie.com and you should also check out Angela Pearlie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during the stay in home period. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCannon and comment on JackIsCannon.com. From all of us of the canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.